0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headland, a community gardener, a student of permaculture, and someone who just got back from the Regenerative Agriculture and Food Systems Summit, um, USA, held in Chicago. And joining us to um, chat about that is Erica Campbell. She's a policy director with Kiss the Ground. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So uh, share with us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um Well, my background personally, um, I've been into uh, food systems transformation for, well, it's probably going on well over 20 years now. Um, Started out kind of in the farm to school world and local food systems world and then transitioned into policy um, and worked for Senator Sanders as an agriculture and food systems policy advisor for about five years. And now I'm working at Kiss the Ground um, on the Regenerate America campaign.
0: So working with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders for five years in the egg policy, Uh, what's your big takeaways from from that experience of working with Bernie on egg?
1: Well, he is very dedicated to farmers. Uh, He would say, Pretty consistently, farmers are the hardest working people that I know. You know, he, he, you know, and in Vermont, we have a lot of dairy farms. And yeah, he's just very supportive of farmers. Um, you know, he also obviously has a fairly uh, anti-corporate angle. So there were certainly things we were looking at around uh, consolidation and antitrust But uh, overall, recognizing that farmers just in general um, need to make a living and (laughs) that uh, often they are not. It's hard for them to make a living. So really thinking about how to support small and medium-sized farms, growing the local and regional farm and food economy, um, to give farmers more market access um, and food access and food insecurity was obviously a big issue. So I did cover a lot of nutrition issues as well.
0: Why are small farms important? Uh,
1: I think that, you know, America was built on a lot of on small farms and our communities really revolved around that. So as farms started to get bigger and smaller farms started to go out of business, it really starting to change the landscape and economy, especially of our rural areas. And so to my mind, small and medium farms are kind of the backbone of, of the rural economy. So when you have small and medium sized farms going out of business uh, with larger farms Taking the majority of the landscape, then you know you, you see the impacts. You see the the hollowed out communities, and um, you know not to say large farms are bad per se. Uh, I think that that there's a place for all types of of sizes of farms for sure, and we see some incredible regenerative farms that are actually quite big, uh, but we really. D- I think that we need to make sure that we are supporting small and medium-sized farms in this country. A lot of the subsidies do go towards the bigger farms. So I I think there's starting to be that shift um, towards saying, oh, well, actually, we do need small and medium-sized farms for community resilience and food access and farm uh, just rural vitality.
0: Yeah. And I, um, I mean,
1: I, I believe in like a living system and
0: smaller farms are closer to the land and having that limit, living system and not all just commodities. We're not commodities. Food's not necessarily a commodity. It's nutrition and it's life. And so having that vitality of that um, independent food sector is so um, critical in supporting it. But it's, it's really a tough system for a lot of small farmers um, because of the way the egg system is structured.
1: It is. Yeah. A lot of small farms are, you know, they're doing a lot of pieces, right? They're, if they're doing direct sale, for example, they're, they're doing everything to produce their food, um, the food and the products that are from their land. And then they're also sometimes having to, uh, distribute that, aggregate that and then, and get that out to, to markets and, and whether that's a farmer's market and showing up to the farmer's market, bringing your things to farmer's market or, or finding all different other types of intermediary markets, um, rest, selling to restaurants or selling to co-ops or selling um, into other types of, of wholesale um, as well. So it's a lot to be a farmer as it is. Um, when you're a small farmer, you typically have, I would say, even more on your plate. Um, and then it's also, as a small farmer, often more challenging to access the resources that some larger farms would be able to access more easily. Also, this, the way the subsidies are set up, they're often done on an acreage basis. So when it comes to, you know, a small farm applying, it's like, oh, this is kind of like getting peanuts compared to, to other farms. So we're going to take
0: a deep dive into the uh, farm bill and how the uh, how those policy issues affect um farming and agriculture and we'll do that later in the show. But um so we were both at this conference, um the uh, Regenerative Agriculture and Food Systems Summit. Um what did you think about it?
1: I thought it was really terrific. Uh I had never been to uh, a conference like that in the US. There were a lot of brands there and some very big corporations. Um so it's it's really terrific to see so many brands stepping up and wanting to get into this space, um, whether it's to address scope three emissions and thinking about their supply chains and how to help support their farmers to to transitioning uh, with transitioning to regenerative agriculture or just improving soil health, um, you know, or trying to even market some of those attributes. I think people are brands are still trying to figure that, that piece out um there, you know, it, it's just a really interesting time where, you know, five years ago, you didn't see a lot of this conversation around the nexus between agriculture and climate change. I mean, you did, you did with certain movements, the organic movement, you know, even the local food movement, sustainable ag movement, but, you know, in terms of the big brands, um, they... I mean, they were sometimes saying they were sustainable or whatever, you know, certainly there's that piece, but you didn't have them talking as much about things like soil health or, you know, mitigating and adapting to climate change and how farmers are really playing this really big role. Um, So, yeah, it's an interesting shift to see brands getting into this. I think there are certainly a lot of people concerned about the potential of greenwashing and how we're going to make sure that the products that are being sold are actually doing, you know, good for ecosystems in the environment and also doing good by farmers. I think that's a big question in my mind, like, okay, wonderful. It's great. These so many brands are starting to work with their supply chains, work with their farmers, get them the technical assistance and the resources that they need for that transition. But also are they going to be able to make a living as a farmer still? Like that is a, that is a fundamental question to me. Uh, are they going to be able to access land? Are they going to be able to scale up? Are they going to be able to have good livelihoods, you know, and uh, a dignified uh, life? Uh, you know, it's farming, it's one of the most important things that any, you know, that of any profession, we, we eat every day, and yet uh, farmers are still struggling sometimes to um, to pay the bills. So, So that, those are big questions still on my mind, um, even after, even after that conference.
0: Well, and I—it was such a diverse group of people, and and I think it was really good to get people with a lot of diverse viewpoints and knowledge and um, outlooks in the same room together. And I think, uh, I think at first it felt like there was some palpable, um, you know, that it was like there was some palpable um, division. But then after a while, it seemed like there was some un- unity was growing in the room. And it, it we all we all share this beautiful planet, and we need to find solutions together. Um, and how do we do that? Um, so one of the basic Six is what is regenerative agriculture? And I mean, how would you define regenerative agriculture?
1: Well, that may be the million dollar question. Um, I think that there has been some resistance at this stage of the game to, to kind of put a hard and fast definition on it because it really is an approach that is, you know, that it's a way of being that, Land managers and farmers have this relationship with the land, and there are, you know, there are the principles of of regenerative agriculture um, that are pretty universal with with any any of the practices and approaches. Um, so that is, you know, um, keeping the land covered and having diverse um, species on the land, um, and so there's sort of these these principles. Uh, you can integrate l- animals into the into the landscape, um, but not till, uh, but there's also a variety of practices. And those practices are things like no-till and cover cropping, agroforestry, but just to do a single practice um, isn't necessarily going to help you regenerate the land. So a lot of people are starting to look towards outcomes and outcomes-based approaches that will show that if a farmer is increasing their soil health, you know, their their um, organic matter, other, other attributes um, of their soil, their water holding capacity, then it's saying like, wow, they're really starting to regenerate their land and, um, you know, less erosion, et cetera, but ultimately getting towards a place where, their land and their soil is regenerating, and then as you sort of go along that path, and we really see it like a continuum. It's not sort of this or that. Um, and it's context specific. It' can look different around the country um, and the d- depending on the type of production. But really this continuum where you start down the path, you you start to do uh, you start to apply the approaches Um, in the principles of, of regenerative agriculture. And then you suddenly are improving your soil health. You're reducing the amount of inputs that you need. So reducing the amount of chemicals, reducing the amount of fertilizer. And as you go along that path, you're, 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 you suddenly are much like you're bringing back the biodiversity. Your farm is much more uh, you're in tune and your farm is, is much more of a natural ecosystem And then and then that's when, you know, so I think it's this big continuum. There's probably a gold standard. Maybe maybe it's the regenerative organic label. Um, There's some other labels out there. There's Regenified. There's a few others. Um, And so it'll be really interesting to see kind of how it shakes out if USDA does decide at some point to make an official federal definition uh, I know there's a lot of talk about that, but we're we're just not quite there yet in in the process. So we're
0: going to talk. We're going we're gonna to take a break, and we'll be right back. I know I was chit chatting with someone else at the conference, and we came up with this saying: "Of course, it's complicated. It's integrated. Like our bodies are incredibly complicated things, um, and so this whole movement towards regenerative agriculture. What does it mean, and why is it important, and can we do it in time? Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and joining me is Erica Campbell. She's the policy director with Kiss the Ground.
1: I've heard about so far. Love is all around, no need to waste it. You can have a town, why don't you take it?
0: Make it after all, we're gonna make it after all. I mean, I um, <laughs> I like the look cat song. So those um for those who are young, that's the theme song to Mary Tyler Moore, who is also from Minneapolis. But um with one of the things that I ended up walking away from this is actually feeling hopeful that, that we can um, face this climate crisis and truly leave a regenerative planet um, for the next generations. Did you do you agree with that? Do you are you also hopeful about the future, Erica?
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I why I do what I do. Uh, I, I mean, farmers are the climate heroes that we need. You know, they they already are heroes, but they're also heroes for climate change. And what we're seeing now across the country with regenerative producers healing the landscape, healing what uh, you know healing water systems and addressing drought and flooding and uh, really bringing back biodiversity, uh, that is possible. And regeneration is absolutely possible. So that is the optimism that we have. And we know that there are farmers all over the country doing this. Um, One of the farmers, a farming couple that is one of the leaders of the regenerate America coalition and does a whole bunch of other things as well. They have a farm in Redwood falls and uh, they uh, it's Don and Grant and They run Stony Creek farm and also are the leaders of the soil health Academy. So not only are they just exceptional farmers in Minnesota, they are leading uh, an educational farmer to farmer education program that is helping train other farmers across the country. So we have these mavericks out there that are showing that it's possible and that 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 this is absolutely um, something that all farmers can do. Now, we need to do some serious shifting of the way we support farmers in this, and that's when we can talk about the Farm Bill, um, but we know that this is possible, and that it's happening. And right there, that, that gives me a lot of hope. So we certainly need to build markets for these farmers, uh, making sure farmers are getting paid well for these products. Uh, and But we know that it, it can happen on the land and the soil and the land can be regenerated Uh, We're losing 4.6. I don't want to go into gloom and doom, but we are losing 4.6 tons of topsoil per acre per year. And it's at a rate that is so unsustainable that, you know, I think that that their scientists predict that we only really have about 55 harvests left at the rate we're going before the land is really too depleted to, to grow food. So doom and gloom aside, we know that we can regenerate it faster than, ever thought possible. Farmers are doing that today. And so for me, that is where the hope lies right there. And then for for everybody else to wake up to the fact that this is happening and support it however they can as a consumer, as a citizen advocate, as a politician, as a technical service provider. As a a farmer? As a Uh, farmer. So
0: um, Erica Campbell, you're with um, Kiss the Ground. And of course, some people may be familiar with the movie Kiss the Ground, but in case they're not, uh, tell people about the movie and what Kiss the Ground is.
1: Yeah, so Kiss the Ground is a small nonprofit. We're about uh, a little over ten years old, and we started in California, and with this awakening around this idea that soil health is is so integral to our whole society and to the earth and the environment, and that we can regenerate it, and that farmers are really the key key to that. And so, a lot of what Kiss the Ground has done is in the education realm and the public awareness realm. So, making beautiful content, uh, short form as well as long form of the "Kiss the Ground" movie that um, some somebody hopefully all of you are familiar with. I, I watched
0: that- it before I went to the conference. It's on Netflix, and but you can also rent it from your website if you want. So yeah,
1: yeah. There's and there's a way that you can show it. Uh, a lot of people show it for. There's an educational component. You have, you know, schools and groups around the country uh, that show it. Um, But yeah, you can watch it on Netflix in your own home as well. Um, And there will be another film coming out later this year, a second version. And so we're really, really excited about that one um, that gets a little bit more into the policy side, actually, and the activism side, um, as well as really Honoring some of the indigenous traditions that uh, really regenerative agriculture is founded on, a lot of those principles are are directly from indigenous communities. Um, so that's really exciting. But yeah, so kiss the ground. We do we do the awareness and the storytelling. We do a lot of education, um, and we also we work with brands. For example, we educate uh, the public. Uh, we also do some uh, supporting of farmers and their and their access to training. And then advocacy, and that's the part that I mostly work on with uh, the policy side and with Regenerate America. And we started the Regenerate America coalition last year uh, as a way to bring together a lot of partners that we were working with across the country and some of the best regenerative farmers and different regenerative brands and brought them together. And we all just want to see this, this uh systemic shift in policy all came together and said, let's start a bipartisan coalition uh, to to get to increase support for regenerative agriculture in the farm bill, because it's really not there. And so our focus has been on the the 2023 farm bill. Hopefully we will get a farm bill this year. Um, And and that is, uh, and Kiss the Ground is kind of serving as the convening organization or the backbone organization. But we have uh, 115 organizations and businesses from across the country. And we're led by a farmer leadership council of 16 uh, farmers from across the country. Um, and we have a steering committee. Uh, so, and that are for a farmer leadership council. We do have Don and Grant brightcrates on that from Stony Creek Farm, as I mentioned earlier. And then we also have the Minnesota soil health coalition. Um, Mark Gutierrez is, is uh, on that our steering committee. So it's really a collective impact approach where uh, that we're all sort of working together to, to make this change.
0: So in the next segment, we're going to take a deep dive on what's the farm bill and how it affects uh, regenerative agriculture. But And we've been positive, but let's also be aware of all the negatives. Like you, you pointed out that the majority of U.S. soils are extremely de- degraded. Topsoil lo- top loss at 5.6 tons per acre per year of agriculture land. Um, well, this, we're in a soil crisis right now.
1: We are. And we actually, to the point of the 5.6, it's it actually the sign, there's two different sources. We've been gone back to using 4.6 tons regardless. It's a lot of, of that's, a, that's over three, between three and four pickup trucks full of soil. Um, driving off, literally leaving a a one acre plot uh, per year. So it's a huge amount of soil that we're losing. And, you know, we've had a lot of approaches to helping farmers transition. We have a lot of NRCS programs, Natural Resource Conservation Services through the United States Department of Agriculture. We have extension, we have different programs out there. Unfortunately, it's not doing enough To reverse the loss of our soil and to make it healthy.
0: You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking with Erica Campbell, policy director for Kiss the Ground. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Talk about the Farm Bill. Welcome back to Food Graham Radio. I'm Laura Headline, and joining me now uh, uh, is uh, the policy director for Kiss the Ground, Erica Campbell. Um, We just got back from the Regenerative Agriculture and Food Systems Summit, um, USA, held in Chicago uh, last week. And we were optimistic, but at the same time, we are really facing a crisis. We're facing a soil crisis. Um, uh, The UN estimates we have less than about 55 harvests left. Also, at the same time, farmer debt is increasing. Uh, Farmer debt is increasing by 4% every year. And, of course, there's been... The consequences of climate change, extreme floods and droughts. Um, in, in California right now, um, I'm not sure if I'm saying the name right, the the lake is reappearing. <laughs> so after California drought, now it's California flood. I mean, these are, the, the farmers are also on the front line of the climate crisis.
1: Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> uh, like nobody else, really. Um, you know, they, 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 Live and die by the weather, right? So, so the fact that we have this rapidly changing climate that is very unpredictable, as well, uh, in very extreme uh in its and you know between years with ve- big droughts, years with lots of floods. I mean, it, it's it's really it's really difficult. So, for farms to be able to Help literally weather the storms. Uh, they they need to have healthy soil. It, it's really the foundation for the ability for them to be able to uh, adapt to this changing climate. So, you know, farmers that have really good water holding capacity, if they have really healthy soil, they can have really good water holding capacity. So in times of Flooding, it can soak in. Uh, You can have massive amount of of soil. I think it's one for every one percent increase in soil organic matter, you can hold an extra twenty thousand gallons of of water. And and that's 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 like a you can you can have it be much more than that if if you can really actually increase your your soil organic content and other aspects of your soil like soil structure. So. So that is really important for for us to help farmers uh, improve their soil health, and then they will have the ability to adapt and be resilient to this changing climate.
0: Um, and when uh, you were presenting, you, you talked about um, getting people in the room with very different viewpoints—the Farmers Bureau and the Farmers Union—kind of coming together and actually finding consensus on some things. Do you want to talk about yeah.
1: that? Yeah. So, well, I was, I was, uh, moderating a panel, uh, at, at the summit that we were just at in Chicago and, uh, members of the food and agriculture climate Alliance were on the panel and that alliance is that's different from regenerate America, but we are, you know, working together in in some ways we have some very similar policy priorities, for example, um, that alliance is made up of uh, some nonprofits like the Environmental Defense Fund, as well as the American Farm Bureau, as well as some larger corporations, uh, some of the biggest corporations in the world, and food food and agri uh, you know ag- corporations that source from agriculture products. And so, the fact that those Groups came together with a platform around supporting farmers in adapting to climate change and also addressing climate change uh, through, for example, carbon sequestration. Uh, that was a big shift. I remember five years ago, I think the farm bureaus did not want to talk about agriculture and climate change in the same sentence. Uh, certainly not the mitigating side of things at all. So, so that is a really big shift and. We're, you know, there are many policies in their platform that we're very, very supportive of, we think could go a long way in improving soil health and supporting regenerative agricultures in their transition. Um, Yeah, we're not, it's not a, we don't, it's not perfectly, we don't perfectly see eye to eye, but overall, I think that we have a lot of commonality with, with the FACA coalition. And um, it's just really great to see that so many, American Farm Bureau is starting to recognize this incredible importance of agriculture and climate change. Um, one piece that you know we we we'd like to go further on, and we both agree that crop insurance is a very important tool for farmers, and will continue to be so. But with the changing climate, we need to think about how to make farmers more resilient so they can reduce their risk when you have adverse weather. Um, the current crop insur- federal crop insurance program is going to keep having to pay out more and more and more and more and more with climate change. It's going to cost taxpayers a lot of money. And we actually think to save that program, to make that program last into the future and not have to cost taxpayers massive amounts of money, that we should be supporting and giving incentives to farmers who are reducing their risk through soil health improvements and other, other, other on-farm practices that reduce their risk to extreme weather. So we'd love to see this good driver discount uh, (laughs) put into the, put into the crop insurance program. Um, There's a lot of resistance right that with that right now. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, farmers and, and farming groups. Um, we certainly see this quite a bit with uh, the Republican Party, but also with some Democratic um, Congress people as well. They don't want to touch the program because they're worried that we're going to be taking away uh, the, you know, and, re- and reducing the program for farmers. And they need this. They do need, a, we need to have, we need to have an insurance program. Um, but, our hope is that people will come to realize that this is actually going to help the program in the long run, that we need to, we need to build in the, re, re, the risk-reducing uh, attributes of, of like, like so many other insurance programs, right? If you, if you have good behaviors, you're going, you're going to get a discount.
0: Um, does the current Farm Bill prioritize conventional agricultural models uh, over regenerative models? And if so, how?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that the Farm Bill has just been set up to really promote uh, to really promote big agriculture, big commodity agriculture. Uh, cover crops, I think over 90% of the cover crop program just goes to six commodities and vastly goes towards larger farms. As one example, I think a lot of the subsidy programs all are the same. Uh, And so we are incentivizing farms to get bigger and bigger. We have been for years, right? Get bigger, get out. Earl Butts, 1980s. Exactly. So it's been happening for a long time and farmers shifted towards, you know, a very uh, heavy, heavy inputs, lots of uh, fertilizers and, and chemicals and those are first of all costly for farmers, so they sort of get into a system of a lot of debt, and and they need a lot of inputs to even produce food. But we su- we subsidize a lot of of those comp- that com- those components of agriculture, so um, they're still able to 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 make a living because a lot a lot of it is subsidized by by the federal government. So.
0: Um, And so so one of the consequences is uh, produce is comparatively more expensive than processed foods, which, of course, increases our health cost and reduces the quality of our lives and our our children's lives. Because, you know, we're not the farm bill doesn't really focus on healthy, vital foods. Um,
1: Do you agree with that? Yes, of course. Half of our plate. Of my plate. USDA, my plate. Half of our plate is supposed to be fruits and vegetables, right? I mean, that is a healthy diet to have lots of fruits and vegetables in your in in our in our, in our meals. Yet, they are not subsidized at all. Um, there are a few programs for fruits and vegetables. There's some f- f- um, food safety programs out there to help farmers. Uh, with their food safety certifications of produce farmers, for example. There's a specialty crop grant program. In all, these are absolute peanuts compared to the rest of of the farm supports in the farm bill. So, you know, there's definitely an awakening, I think, especially in the last five years, where people are saying, oh, wait, we should be eating more of this. Why is it so expensive? And, you know, from a food from a health angle, we could be saving, I think it's trillions of dollars if we shifted <laughs> towards uh, making fruits and vegetables more affordable and accessible to people. A union of concerned scientists wrote a paper, I think it was about 10 years ago now, and it was called the $11 trillion reward. And it, it actually, it, it laid out uh, the cost savings that we would have as a nation through health care costs if we made if we subsidized fruits and vegetables so actually supported or even subsidized the farmers that are growing the fruits and vegetables and subsidized local and regional food systems more
0: and um, as someone who's coexisted, the gooseberries we can track back 70 years and we have raspberries and peach uh, trees and that, that movement towards, um, a, a, you know, this living um, uh, year-round crops, permaculture, whatever, and trying to support that in the farm system and trying to move towards – I would use the word regenerative and I know we don't have agreement on that. But this, this kind of um, more of a um, earth-respecting and understanding and coexisting with plants. But uh, to get to get back to the farm bill, just so we cover the basics. You no, know, so the farm bill is it might be passed this year or next year. That's that's. But uh, you're hoping that it's going to be passed this year. Um, uh, but about seventy five percent of the funding goes towards SNAP and other critical programs, uh, nutrition programs that um, help forty two million Americans put food on the table. So that that SNAP program is seventy five percent of the farm bill. Um, commodities are seven percent of the farm bill. So what type of um, support in the farm bills goes to those seven percent of commodities. Or the, I think I'm that seven percent of the farm farm bill. How does that support commodities? Um, the t-
1: those the, those are the Title One. Uh, so the, the farm bill has um, several titles, and Title One is the commodity programs. A lot of those are uh, price support systems, and sometimes direct payments to farmers when maybe prices dip. So. A lot of them are adjusting the marketplace and trying to a- account for when prices go low, um, and so that that those those kind of subsidies have been actually reducing over the years as crop insurance um, has actually been increasing. So so crop insurance is it's the subsidized insurance. So it's another form of subsidy, but that that has been increasing while those those have been decreasing. And then there's the conservation title, which is mostly where we're focusing on um, for Regenerate America, just because that is the most direct connection to being able to help farmers regenerate the land. And that is about 6%, I think, I hope I'm correct there, 6% of total farm bill funding. Um, and that goes out through a variety of programs at NRCS. So that could be the EQIP program, so environmental incentives um, to, you know, but only a, a smaller number of that actually goes towards soil health so so we'd like to see uh, in, increased support for for soil health through the conservation title
0: so uh, we're going to take a break you're listening to Food Freedom Radio and joining us is Erica Campbell from Kiss the Ground and we'll be right back you're listening to uh, AM 950's Food Freedom Radio Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining me is Erica Campbell. She's the policy director with Kiss the Ground. Uh, Chris, you can get more information by going to kisstheground.com. And Erica, well, before we went on break, we we're talking about the Farm Bill. So, what are your main policy asks? What what do you think? Um, what do you think we could be moving for in in policy to create more um, support for regenerative agriculture? Well,
1: first off, last year the Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which was a a budget reconciliation bill. So it wasn't a bipartisan bill, unfortunately, but it had $20 billion for conservation in it. Uh, We would like to see that money stay in conservation. There are certain Congress people and farming groups that want to see that money diverted towards the subsidy programs that I mentioned earlier. Um, the commodity commodity programs so we think if we are going to make a difference and actually help farmers to transition to regenerative agriculture and improve their soil then we absolutely need to keep this 20 billion dollars in conservation so that's that's kind of our our one of our top line asks another piece is that farmers, we need, we need to increase the amount of support for farmers receiving technical assistance and education and training. So we have bill proposals for um, supporting farmer to farmer networks. Uh, so for example, the Minnesota Soil Health Coalition is a, is a great example. Farmers learn best from other farmers. It's just the way it, It's just the way it is. And so getting money to these farmer to farmer groups um, so then they can teach each other, literally. So that is one of our big proposals. We also would like to see um, the USDA staff be trained up in soil soil health and regenerative agriculture. So we have a proposal for a train the trainer program. So... Um, for the Natural Resource Conservation District and their technical service providers that they work with, that everybody would kind of get trained up in how to regenerate um, soils and the land. Uh, we also have uh, some pieces around, some bills around uh, equipment. We have one uh, s- basically in general access to finances, which you could get either equipment or, or other pieces. So we actually have a soil health bill that will be introduced soon in the Senate. That is an equipment bill, um, a grant program because there's a lot, a lot of barriers. There's a lot of this equipment is new and people don't always like the NRCS doesn't always uh, fund it. So uh, an example would be mobile mobile fencing it's not always able to get funded so when you do regenerative grazing you need mobile fencing and uh, another one is roller crimpers, and, you know, that's a way to um, terminate a cover crop without uh, without the use of glyphosate. So there are all those equipment needs. Um, and also just financing. Farmers need the money to make this transition. So we have uh, a bill uh, called the DEFER Act that w- is going to be introduced by Senator Klobuchar. We're so excited. Uh, we've been working with her office, and she's just incredibly supportive of these concepts, and uh, and this would um, basically f- uh, allow you to defer an FSA loan and use that money for uh, conservation practices So you could you could buy that roller crimper or you could buy the cover crop seed that you need um, and defer your loan so that's that's another piece. So just in general looking at ways uh, financing and other other ways um, that that we can get, uh, resources and education to farmers and that and that's really the, the base of a lot of our policy priorities uh, We also did um, work a little bit with Senator Smith on a uh, soil carbon uh, bill because we, we do need ways to measure uh, better ways to measure that the the in, the, uh, in, in the increase uh, of soil soil health, and um, just really giving farmers some of those tools uh, to be able to to measure measure and monitor their their health outcomes on their land. So so that's we're really excited about. We're, we find the Minnesota um, delegation, congressional delegation to be really terrific. We've been working a lot with the Senators, but we, we're um, going to start to work with some of your representatives as well. And so we really just, Think Minnesota is a real powerhouse when it comes to supporting regenerative agriculture.
0: Well, and we have down to our last two minutes. And and you know, I um, I agree with you. It can be a powerhouse. And I always find it kind of interesting right now that we don't really, we can't really define regenerative agriculture, mm-hmm. which is okay. I think that, that we live in the and. But I mean, I know there is some criticism. Is is regenerative just going to be whitewashed? Is it just watered down organics? Is it is it, is it is it just more about making money? Or is it about moving towards a relationship with the land and understanding we're part of this earth, and what we do to the earth we do to ourselves, and how do we how do we coexist and move so that we're paying attention to the soil quality and finding that uh, place of common ground? And soil health seems to be a place of common ground. And do you agree that it's, it's soil health that can be common groundish?
1: Yeah, well, that is the motto of Regenerate America. Soil is our common ground, and we really do believe that. Uh, we have, you know, we are a very bipartisan coalition, and I think everybody understands uh, soil health is so in so important to our society and, and to the earth. So that that is absolute. And you know, as I said earlier, I think that a definition of regenerative ag will. Probably eventually shake out, um, but I think we're starting to move more towards the outcomes and measuring those outcomes, and giving farmers tools to help them measure their own soil and then make real-time adjustments. Um, and it's also that approach and that relationship with the land, as you mentioned. So as farmers um, build back their biodiversity and have have uh, really start to have systems that are more in harmony with nature on their land uh that that is that is regenerative agriculture so so i i, I wish i had a better answer for no, you that's about a perfect answer mm-hmm.
0: harmony of the land i love it i love it so uh the website is kiss the ground and um lots of information there so kiss the ground.com. i thank you so much erica campbell policy director um and thank you for listening to food freedom radio
1: thanks for having- I'll do it anytime you want me to